How we feeling out there, Bulls Nation? I don't know about y'all, but I'm fucking pumped right now after watching that game, seeing the effort the Bulls put in. That was beautiful to watch. That was beautiful basketball to watch. Before the game, I predicted, you know, this morning I released that prediction they're going to win 102 to 96. They ended up pulling it off 116 to 108, so the offense was even better than I expected. That was a sweet, sweet victory, especially just seeing, you know, all week people shitting on the Bulls. You've seen it the last two weeks in various different NBA preview podcasts. People picking them to win like 34 games. People picking them as a play-in team at best. Just shitting on the Bulls. Typical national media. They did it all last year too, all last offseason. And even when the Bulls proved them wrong during the season last year, they didn't admit they were wrong. They just kept riding those same tired-ass narratives. So we're going to see more of the same this year from the national media, and I think this team is going to be more of the same where uh, the Bulls are just going to keep proving people wrong. So before we get into breaking this game down, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, man. We got to talk about Zach Levine. Um, disappointment. That's the only way I can break it down is, you know, I was working out. I was getting a good, good little workout in, and my brother texted me. He's like, you hear about Levine? And I was like, shit, because I just knew that meant he was out, you know, we'd seen he got the questionable tag yesterday. I kind of thought that was a little bit of chicanery, some sort of competitive bullshit that Billy was trying to pull, but it was real, man. It was real. And so I went live on Instagram and just talked about it shortly after the news came out. And uh, I was able to talk with a couple of Bulls fans. So shout out to everybody who interacted on that. It's always cool to chop it up with you guys. But um, yeah, then. Maybe 10 minutes after I wrapped that up, Zach Levine himself came out and he was answering questions about it. And it's a confusing fucking situation, guys, because, you know, Zach Levine, they're asking him, you know, when did your knee flare up? And he's like, it didn't flare up. I'm not hurt. I feel great. This is just a load management type thing, which I'm sorry, Zach. I love you, bro. But that's some bullshit, dude. That's some straight up bullshit. We don't you don't do load management on the first game of the season, especially because they don't play tomorrow. They play again on Friday. So if you were going to load manage this shit, and logically, you'd have played tonight, and you maybe would have taken Friday off. You wouldn't have taken the first day off. You know, that's a red flag. Any competitive athlete out there will tell you that first game of the season, when you get to get out there and just, you know, prove people wrong, get all the butterflies out, just get on the field for the first time after a long camp, after a long off season, like, Athletes live for that shit, man. So when a dude is sitting out the first game of the season, that's a red flag. Now, is this a big red flag like some of y'all on Twitter are making it seem? Nah. I've seen some wild shit. I've seen, I knew we shouldn't have given him $200 million. This is Derrick Rose all over again. We should trade DeMar DeRozan and tank and try to get Wembem Yama and just, you'd think the sky was falling in Chicago, man. It's October, guys. It's October. It's the first game of the season. Let's all just take a breath. You know, like Aaron Rodgers said, calm down, take a breath, take a beat, and uh, let's break it down logically. Because first off, man, I was going at it with a dude on Twitter because he was like, we trade DeMar to the Lakers. We get their future picks. We tank. We draft one Bamyama. We're champions, you know, within the next five years. And I'm like, hold up, dude. Do you not realize the roster the Bulls have right now? They don't have a tanking roster, bro. Like, like even... Let's say you take Levine off, you take DeRozan off, you take Vooch off. The rest of that roster is still pretty talented. I don't know if you've seen the other rosters out there. Have you looked at the San Antonio Spurs roster lately? Like, 
the Bulls are better than that roster, even without their top three guys. Have you looked at the Oklahoma City Thunders roster? The Bulls are better than that roster. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, terrible roster. Indiana Pacers, terrible roster. Like the Bulls, man, they're not, even if you take our big three off, it's still not going to be a bad enough team to get into those high ranks. And it's a lottery system. You realize that, right? Like we got to get lucky in the lottery to get the number one pick to get this kid. So first off, we got to lose enough games to get down there. I don't think that's going to happen, even if you trade all the people you need to trade. Second off, you got to get lucky. And how, how long have you guys been Bulls fans? Because we don't really have lottery luck. Every time that we finished high enough where we thought we were going to get a top three pick, it would always fall to like number six and we're taking Wendell Carter or, you know, settling for different guys that we don't really want. We wanted those top picks, but instead we got these guys. Like it never works out like that for the Chicago Bulls. So no, this ain't a tanking roster. You know, Zach, we don't need to go full tank just because Zach Levine is going to be out. And uh, I could tell, you know, based on some of the tweets I was seeing that some of y'all are a little new to the Chicago Bulls thing. Some of y'all haven't been in the Chicago Bulls streets quite as long as the rest of us because a lot of you were like, I can't believe the Bulls. I can't believe they weren't transparent about this. I can't believe they led us along to think he was fine. It's like, yeah, you guys really ain't been fans for a long time because I'm old enough to remember the Derrick Rose days, to remember that season after he tore his ACL. And trust me, they were not transparent about a goddamn thing that season. There would be there would be reports coming out every week. All right, this is the week. Derrick Rose had a good week of practice. He's going to play. He wouldn't play. Then you would see him come out. He'd warm up with the team. You'd see him throwing down dunks. I remember he came to Minnesota. I was in the stands. He was warming up. He took, he took that shit. And he cocked it back like he was Dominique, and he looked explosive. He looked good. I'm like, how is this dude not playing right now? Like, it was a wild thing. And the Bulls weren't transparent at all. They didn't tell the fans what was going on. Uh, a couple years after that, you had the Luol Deng, you know, spinal tap in the in the playoff situation. Like, they weren't transparent about that. Even recent history, guys, have they been transparent about the Lonzo thing? It's not the Bulls' M.O. to tell the fans exactly what's going on with their players. And that's not just a Bulls thing. That's pretty much, you know, a league-wide thing. It's just fans always think they're entitled to more information than they're really entitled to. But the Bulls especially, they're known for being tight-lipped about this type of stuff. So there's two ways we can look at the Zach Levine thing, right? We can we can go all doom and gloom on it. Sky's falling. Like, we're screwed without him. He's never going to be the same. He's not going to play this year. Like, I've seen people put that out there that, oh, my God, he must have retore his ACL. He's not going to play this year. Like, I've seen crazy shit going on on Twitter. It's wild the way that you guys are overreacting on there. Um, and, you know, I really just don't think it's that bad. You know, I'm taking a much more level-headed approach to it because Zach Levine's going to miss games. That's just the way it is. You follow his career. That's the way it goes, right? I'd rather have him missing games right now in October than I would in March and April. These games right now, you know, they got more meaning than a preseason game for sure. But they still don't really mean shit. The games don't really start meaning shit till after All-Star break. So if he's going to sit out a couple games right now, but we're going to get him post-All-Star break, that's cool with me, man. Just do what you got to do to get that knee right and get back to being the Zach Levine of old. I don't want to see the Zach Levine that we saw hobbling around at the end of the year last year. I want to see the Zach Levine that we saw even – let's let's take it way back. I want to see the Zach Levine we saw before they traded for Nikola Vucevic. 
when this team was competing for a playing spot, when Zach Levine was the center of the universe in Chicago, as far as the Bulls went, his first all-star season, take me back to that Zach Levine. If that Zach Levine gets out there, this Bulls team is a deadly combo. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get all the love for the top one-two punch in the league. If we get that Zach Levine, the pre-Vucevic Zach Levine, mixed with this DeMar DeRozan, they're right in that conversation for best one-two punch in the NBA. So I have my own theories about what probably happened with Zach. So here's what we know about Zach. He had surgery, you know, shortly after the season wrapped up. He wasn't able to do much all offseason. His offseason was very PT-directed, physical therapy, just getting his body right, getting that knee right. Um, he wasn't able to run fives at all. He didn't run any fives, no pickup, no open court, nothing. He did train with his trainer. He trains with Drew Hanlon, well-known skills trainer, you know, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant. Lots of cats go through him, train through him. And so he was still getting the skill work in. But anybody who's played basketball knows that it's a totally different ball game, you know, doing one-on-one skill work versus playing, getting up and down that court, running, jumping, cutting full speed, keeping up with guys, getting bodied. Like, it's totally different. And then you saw the Bulls. They babied him during preseason, as they should have. What I think happened is that Zach really just ramped up too quick. I think probably because this news didn't break that he was questionable up until yesterday. So I think what happened is Monday they probably had a really hard practice. They probably, you know, scrimmaged pretty hard. Zach Levine tried turning the heat up. He got after it. And Tuesday, his knee probably swelled up, which is a cause for concern. You know, that's what's happened with Lonzo. Every step of his kind of comeback from this meniscus surgery is every step of the way, he feels good. Then, boom, his knee swells up, and he's down for a couple of days. I don't think Zach's is that severe. We saw LeVar go on that podcast, say Lonzo was dealing with some nerve damage, nerve issues, and the second surgery took care of that. I don't think we're at that stage with Zach. I think Zach just, you know, he amped up, ramped up a little too quick, went a little too hard, and uh now he's paying the price for it because there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape, you know, being in playoff shape. And he's going to have to play himself into game shape. When he does come back, you know, it could be Friday. I think it's going to be Saturday. When he comes back, I want to see them do with him what the Warriors are doing with Clay. So the Warriors have a little bit more firepower than the Bulls, obviously. So they can afford to do this a little bit more. But right now, they're keeping Clay on a 20 minutes a game restriction because. They don't need him blowing his wad and getting hurt, you know, in November or December. They need him to be able to slowly ramp up over the year and be playing his best basketball, be playing his most minutes, you know, March, April, May, making a deep run. So I'd like to see the Bulls implement something similar for Zach Levine and uh, just let him slowly ramp up, man. When he comes back, you don't need to play, you know, 35 minutes a game. Get him on 20 minutes a game. Let's do this thing slow. Let's do this thing right because – if we learn one thing tonight, it says that it's uh that DeMar DeRozan is still the motherfucking man. I love DeMar DeRozan. What he brings to the court is it's insane at his age. He's entering year 14 and he seems to just be getting better. You know, the thing I love about DeMar is he welcomes all the hate. Uh, as far as like the national media goes and the analytics and the nerds go, they're never going to love DeMar DeRozan. You know, they're always going to find little ways to snipe at him or shit on him. Because he breaks their model. They try to, they're trying to convince us that if you're a wing and you're not shooting five, six threes a game, that you're trash. And DeMar DeRozan proves all that shit wrong. He proves that, hey, I can shoot threes when I need to. Tonight he went two or three from three. But it's much more efficient for me if I get into the paint, if I get these uh, turnaround jump shots going, I get these fadeaways going, I get guys in foul trouble. Like, that is going to be 
more winning basketball for me than being a three-point happy dude. So tonight, man, he carried the load offensively. That third quarter, it was like he was playing one-on-five. It was it's mesmerizing to watch. He makes me laugh when uh when he plays. Like my girlfriend has been getting into basketball and she'll watch the games with me. And she's always like, Why are you laughing? I'm like, it's just so funny that he's able to do this time after time. You know, it was the one that he got Kayla Martin on when he just pumped three times, finally got him to jump, leaned in, got the end one. Like I was I was cracking up because I mean Hoopers know like you can't do nothing with that man. Like that's as good as defense as you can play. You even fouled the dude. He still made the shot. Like, he's he's just too smooth with it. His fakes are the best fakes we got in the league right now. Tonight, he stuffed the stat sheet tonight. He went for 37, 6, and 9, two steals, a block. He was a plus 13 while he was on the court, and he was pretty much the sole reason the Bulls won the game tonight because they there were periods of time where they were struggling. You know, you saw – that fourth quarter, the Heat started making a comeback start of the fourth quarter. DeMar didn't get back in until about seven minutes left in the fourth, I want to say. And uh, the Bulls were on a drought. They hadn't scored in like three and a half minutes. And what does he do? He comes in, he gets a bucket right away. That's what DeMar DeRozan does for your basketball team. He gets you a bucket when you need a bucket. So DeMar played fantastic tonight. It was one of the best games you know, I've seen him play. And if we can get this type of effort from DeMar DeRozan, you know, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime, guys. He's still got – he's good. He manages his athleticism very well. He still has that athleticism. He's not as athletic as Toronto tomorrow, but he's still a better athlete than 95% of the league, and he manages it. It comes out in bursts. The rest of the time, you know, it's much more of a slow, methodical, kind of lull-you-to-sleep type of game, but he'll get after it. He'll, he'll let that athleticism burst out when he needs to, and uh, if we get this type of effort from him, Night after night, we can he can carry the load, you know, while Zach Levine's working his way back into the lineup, back into shape. So I thought DeMar DeRozan was by far the highlight of tonight. So we covered the good with DeMar DeRozan. Let's break down some of the bad now because it ain't all sunshine and rainbows over here. It's a nice victory, but there's still some bad in this game on the Bulls end. And obviously, the one that stands out the most is Patrick fucking Williams. Where are you, Pat Williams? He played today. Don't get me wrong. He definitely played today. He gave us 28 minutes. But if you were watching that game, you wouldn't know he played 28 minutes. He was invisible out there. That's the number one sin to me as a basketball player is if you're out there, but I don't know you're out there. You're just invisible, right? And I live in Minneapolis, so I was around for the Wiggins era of the Timberwolves. And that was the thing they always hated about him is he'd be out there for like five minutes, and you wouldn't know he's out there. He'd just disappear. He'd be invisible. He wouldn't be doing anything. And that was Patrick Williams tonight. Like, there were many times where he would, it would be like a five-minute stretch. Nothing's really happening. I wouldn't even realize he's out there. Then he'd randomly get his hand on a ball or he'd shoot a shot. And I'd be like, oh, shit, Patrick Williams has been out here the whole time. I didn't even know. Like, he was invisible today. He finished with 28 minutes, four points, two rebounds, no assists, one steal, no blocks, two or six shooting from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. He did not get to the free throw line. And the most telling aspect, most telling stat of Patrick Williams' impact on the game today is the plus-minus. So he finished with a minus four. Now, he shared a lot of his minutes with DeMar DeRozan, who was a plus 13. Shared a lot of minutes with Vucevic, who was a plus 16. And he shared a lot of minutes with Io, who was a plus 15. 
So to be a negative four when you're sharing the minutes with dudes who are in the double digits of the plus minus, that shows how bad you play. Because he wasn't, he didn't make an impact offensively. He didn't make an impact defensively. And he looked lackadaisical out there. Like, he looked like he didn't really give a shit out there, which is a cardinal sin, especially in the city of Chicago, man. Like, everybody knows. They appreciate hustlers more than anything around here. And uh, that just wasn't him tonight. That hasn't been him his whole career. He's had this lackadaisical thing where you're just like, man, I see the potential in you. I don't want to give up on you. You know, I feel like I'm always going at people on Bulls Twitter over Patrick Williams because most of Bulls Nation has changed, has turned on him, soured on him. And I was kind of one of the last ones left. But I'm leaving tonight with just a sour taste in my mouth because, honestly, it looks like this dude doesn't want it, man. Zach Levine's not out there. You're the fourth overall pick. This is your third year. This is your prove-it year. This is your money year. This is where you're going to earn your dollars. This is your opportunity to step up and show them what you are. And this is the type of effort you give today. You know, there were a lot of times where I would see him, and he's around the hoop, and he's kind of going for a rebound, but he ain't really aggressively going for a rebound. He's kind of playing the passing lane, but he ain't really aggressively playing the passing lane. He's contesting shots but he's not contesting it as aggressive as he could. Like, it just wasn't happening for him tonight. Maybe it's a bad game, but it's starting to become a pattern with this dude where, I mean, here's the thing. Javante Green thoroughly outplayed him all preseason long, right? And Javante Green tonight in 10 less minutes thoroughly outplayed him as well. Javante's stat line is nothing special tonight. He finished with six points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal. He played 18 minutes. He only shot the ball two times, um, but his plus minus is a plus eight. Like He made an instant impact. That's the thing about Javante Green. You will never, ever call Javante Green invisible. That dude, he doesn't know how to be invisible, right? He just knows how to play ball. Every game he plays, he plays like it's his last game. Like He's never going to touch a basketball again, and I fucking love that about him. You even saw today, he came in, and two seconds later, he's throwing that no-look pass to Booch for the easy dunk. So I think... Javante Green has to be in the starting lineup going forward. You know, you got to send a message to Patrick Williams. Like, this ain't going to be handed to you, bro. Just because of your draft status, just because, you know, you have certain tools we're looking for and you have the potential to be something, like, it ain't just going to be handed to you, bro. You got to come out here. You got to come out aggressive and you got to earn this. And Javante Green, man, he has earned it from the get go. So let's reward Javante and let's just, let's just get Pat coming off the bench for a little bit. Get a little more energy. Get a little more excitement. That's going to be the Bulls' Achilles heel with tonight's lineup that they rolled with to start is you saw they got off to a slow start. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, DeMar likes to take his time to get cooking. Vucevic likes to take his time to get into a rhythm. And then if you're going to have Patrick Williams out there playing lackadaisical too, there's no energy in that lineup to start a game off. And the Bulls are talented enough where tonight they can make up for it. They had a good comeback, got the win. but there's going to be some nights where you dig yourself too big of a ditch and uh, you're not able to come back from that. And Javante Green, that's one thing he's going to make sure is you're not going to be, you know, a lackadaisical team when he's on the court. You're going to be running up and down that court. You're going to be sprinting, going hard, hustling. So I fucking love Javante Green. I think it's about time he gets that start. And, uh, yeah, it's about time I start selling my Patrick Williams stock, man, because it doesn't look like this dude is going to be it. There were, you know, I thought there were a lot of highlights on the Bulls. You know, I don't want to get negative. It's a big win. It's a good win. 
Uh, Patrick Williams, obviously a, a negative part of tonight. I thought Kobe White was a letdown as well. He finished with 10 points, but to me, he should have had about 20, man. I tweeted before the game he was going to go for 20. He could have easily got 20 in this game. He finished 2 of 7 from 3, which is disappointing because all seven of those threes were wide open. There wasn't a dude within you know two feet of him. Wide open threes, you've got to make those. And Kobe White, you're in a contract year, man. So you got to put up or shut up. We all kind of know this is probably his last year as a bull, but I've always kept Kobe stock because to me he has a lot of Ben Gordon in his game where you can be that off the bench microwave type dude, but we're not seeing it play out. You know, we needed his 10 points tonight. We needed his shots. Even if they weren't dropping, they were at least stretching the floor, making him respect him, but we need him to make him at a better clip, man. And the bad news for Kobe is Goran Dragic looked good tonight. I don't know if it was playing in Miami that maybe gave him a little more pep in his step. You can tell they got a lot of love for him down there. He's probably got a lot of love for them too. But he looked good tonight. If this if this how he's going to play, he's going to be in that rotation for sure, even when they're healthy. I thought he was kind of an ice player in case of emergency. You know, if somebody went down, then he'd step in, but I didn't think he'd be a regular part of the rotation. But if he's going to play like he played tonight, 12 points off the bench, four threes, um, he was getting after it on the defensive end, playing the passing lanes, counting the ball handlers. And you just see with him, there's so much control to his game. There's a steadiness to his game. He can come in when the game is starting to slip. It's getting a little chaotic. And he can, you know, just pump the brakes and calm everything down and get guys in their spots, get guys the shots they want. And he's a true veteran. You saw him and Drummond. They got a little rapport going, a little two-man game going. So, I mean, it's just one game. We don't need to overreact too much. But that's my biggest takeaway is that even when they're healthy, they need to make sure that Goran Dragic is getting line, is getting minutes in this rotation over Kobe White. Like, we need less Kobe White. We need more Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic is obviously a lot more older. He's not going to be ha- able to handle a big minute load, but I think, you know, even when Levine comes back and if Lonzo potentially comes back, I still want to see Goran Dragic getting 10 to 15 minutes a night just simply for the poise he plays with, the control he plays with, the command he plays with. I like what he brings to the table, and he's a reliable three-point shooter. He was a pretty big surprise to me tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll keep with the white guys. We'll talk about Alex Caruso now. Now, his stat sheet tonight, most Alex Caruso stat sheet ever, it's six points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. Uh, he was flying around out there, man. He only had two steals. It seemed like he had ten because it just seemed like anytime the ball went in the air, anytime they threw a pass, like he was getting his hand on it, he was doing something. He was flying around. He shot two for ten. wasn't a good shooting night for him, but his plus minus is plus nine. So if you can have that bad of a shooting night, but you still have that good of a plus minus, That means you're doing something on the defensive end. You're wreaking absolute havoc on the defensive end. And that's what he was doing tonight. He was chasing people around. He was guarding anybody and everybody. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch, man. He's one of the reasons I think that national media is sleeping on this team is they're forgetting he only played 41 games last year, guys. If he plays, you know, 70 games, totally different team this year. So love watching Caruso play. Vucevic, man. That first half was rough offensively. Defensively, I thought he played great. He he put the clamps on Bam Adebayo, who's normally a horrible matchup for him. But Vooch is coming into this year a little bit lighter, a little uh, a little quicker on his feet. 
But offensively, man, he looked like last year's Booth, where he was hanging around the perimeter. He was 0 for 4 from 3. You know, after you're 0 for 2, man, I'm like, just stop fucking shooting, dude. And the thing that drives me craziest about Booch is, Stacey King pointed out, they were getting a lot of switches tonight. They were getting, you know, Miami's a very switch-heavy team, and they were getting a lot of favorable matchups. He was getting Lowry in the post. He was getting Hero in the post. He was getting Caleb Martin in the post. And sometimes they would ignore him. Other times they'd feed him. And when they fed him, it was driving me nuts because he would take one dribble, turn around, throw up a hook shot. It's like, bro, back them down. Bully them. Make them feel your size. Make them feel your force. Like, make them understand you're a force in this paint. Don't don't play soft like that. Now, the second half, he turned it around. He played a much better game offensively in the second half. That's the booch we need. We need second-half booch going forward. He was a monster on the glass tonight, an absolute monster on the glass. 17 rebounds, three blocks, um, strong effort from Booch tonight. Started out pretty rough on the offensive end, but he got it together towards the end. Um, he even finished, I mean, he only finished 5 of 13 from the field, but he uh, he got to the free throw line a little bit. He made some things happen. We just, we need him to play inside out. He needs to Go inside, take advantage inside. If you hit the occasional three, that's cool, but we ain't really relying on you to shoot threes like that, man. So um, another bright spot, I mean, DeMar DeRozan was by far the biggest bright spot on this team, just seeing him carry the team to the victory like that. You, you got to love it, but I owe to Sumo, man. I, you got to love this kid. So the biggest thing the Bulls lost last year when Lonzo went out was pace and tempo. Now... Lonzo does it different than almost anybody I've ever seen where he gets a rebound and he pushes the tempo with his passing. He gets his eyes up right away, and he's making that long pass down to get that break ignited, get it started right away. Io can't do that. Io knows he can't do that, but he adds pace. He adds tempo to this team. You see, as soon as he gets the ball, whether it's a rebound, a steal, whatever, he's pushing that ball. He is dribbling as fast as he can. He's using his speed to get up the court get in the lane, create either himself his shot or a teammate a shot. So that's a big thing that Io is going to add to this team this year is pace. That's a big thing they're missing without Lonzo out there. I think Io knew that, and it looks like that's what he really worked on this offseason. You've seen a lot more confidence in his game. Obviously, he bulked up a little bit more, so he's able to hand the grind of the uh, NBA season. But the decisiveness that he plays with now, like last year, he was very indecisive. He was very unsure of himself at times. There'd be uh there'd be flashes, but then there'd be a lot of moments where you could tell he didn't really believe in himself. He didn't really know what he was doing out there. Now this year, and we saw it in the preseason too, he's playing with a lot more decisiveness. He's not overthinking it. When he comes off a pick and roll, he either knows he knows what he's doing. He knows if he's going to the hoop, he knows if he's taking a pull up, he knows if he's dishing it off. Like he's very decisive, which is huge. And you don't see that out of second year players a whole lot. So he's my early pick for most improved player of the year. And I think he, after tonight, he's going to have that on lock if he keeps playing like this. I mean, 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block. He stuffed the stat sheet tonight. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch, man. It was a lot of fun to watch. I thought uh, I thought Drummond played pretty good off the bench. Uh, the only, only problem with Drummond is sometimes he gets too shot happy, man. You saw it. He gets, uh, he just, he kind of, Thinks he needs to get the ball a little bit more. He starts shooting a little bit too much. And, I mean, tonight he shot two of seven. We don't need that, man. 
you you shouldn't be taking more than like five shots when you're out there. So, but overall, man, I don't have a whole lot of negative to say about this team. I thought it was a really impressive win. If you listen to my NBA preview pod, you know I was a little down on the Heat this year. I got them sliding all the way down to the eight seed for the reasons we saw today. You know, Jimmy Butler, great player, not an outside shooter, but he's a great shot creator. Um, he is the most underrated flopper in the NBA. Like when we talk floppers, we always talk LeBron, we talk Harden, we talk Luka. We don't give Jimmy Butler his credit, man. That dude flops like a motherfucker out there. He is drawing fouls like crazy because every time he gets tapped, anytime someone's near him, he's falling down to the ground. But DeMar DeRozan does the same thing, so you can't don't hate the don't hate the player, hate the game. It is what it is. As a Bulls fan, if you're complaining about flopping, you gotta knock it off, man. Because I love Demar, but Demar flops a lot too, especially on those jump shots. So, uh, but yeah, the Heat. I'm a little down on them this year. Just they don't really have a true four. Caleb Martin's like six five. They're throwing him out at the four. They have a lot of good shot makers. They don't have a lot of shot creators. Kyle Lowry looks, you know, ten years older than he actually is, and he's already a very old man. So I think they're gonna struggle this year. I think they're gonna slide back a little bit. But that being said. Still an impressive win for the Bulls. The, the Heat were still one of the better home teams in the NBA last year. It's always hard to go into Miami, which I never understood because that fan base sucks. If you guys were watching that game, half the seats were empty. You are, you're the fan base of a contending team. It's your home opener. It's your season opener. You can't even get people to show up for that, man. Uh, Miami doesn't deserve the Heat, man. They give them a contender pretty much every year, and these fans always suck. They were like this. When the big three was there, too, there'd be empty seats all the time. But that's neither here nor there. Either way, impressive victory for the Bulls tonight. They'll be coming back Friday night playing the Wizards. I'll be breaking down that on the podcast after as well. Hopefully, it's another win. The Wizards look solid tonight, man. They got a lot of pieces there. Beal's healthy. Of course, Zingas is healthy. This team is not going to be a pushover like they were last year. So buckle up, Bulls fans. We got the Wizards coming on Friday. If you're not following on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, shoot me a follow. Let's interact. Let's chop it up about the Bulls. It's Bloody Horns Podcast on all three social network platforms. We'll be back on Friday. I mean, unless something crazy happens in the Bulls world tomorrow, then we do an emergency pod. But I'll catch you all on Friday. Let's enjoy this win, man. It was a hell of an effort from the Bulls. Bulls Nation, let's go.